More and more badass women are joining the ranks as highly skilled construction professionals. Construction and renovation projects wouldn't happen without the skills of the various crews involved. As we all know, the skilled trades have been male-dominated for like forever. In this season, I'm highlighting the amazing women doing their thing in the construction sector. Every journey and every story is different, but they are all inspiring. Have a listen as I learn about their stories. Hello, and welcome once again to the All Things Renovation Women in Series podcast. I am loving the conversations I'm having with all of these amazing humans doing their thing in the trade sector. We all have a story to tell, and today I'm excited to have Sandy Suter on the show. Like many of us, our trajectory through life is winding, and Sandy's journey is very much like that. She started cutting out decorative metal for house signs and weather vanes when she was in high school. It's kind of a part-time job. And after she graduated, she got a full rodeo scholarship and moved to Idaho. I can't get over that little bit right there. And and that was so that she could study pre-physical therapy. And she did actually obtain that degree. And while doing so, she won the NIRA, National Intercollegiate Rodeo Association region um, in breakaway roping. And after she came home, she wanted to take a year off before starting a massage therapy program in Vernon. However, her dad, who's a lifelong welder, suggested she get her seat ticket in welding in that time period. And for the record, I don't know that that was really time off if you were going to get your ticket, but, you know, we all do what we do. Um, She then went back to Idaho to figure out her life and rodeo for one more year under a scholarship. And she also took welding down there because at that time was actually pretty easy. And going to school in Idaho, she learned that she really did love welding. Um, And after receiving the certificate of completion in welding, she moved back up to Canada completed her apprenticeship and has now worked all over BC and Northern Alberta, and in some cases, right alongside her dad. And since that time, she's gotten her first aid ticket. She started substitute teaching at the College of New Caledonia as her schedule allows. Wow, so Sandy, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going? (laughs) Now you've walked quite the path from rodeo to flirting with massage therapy through to welding. I mean, did you ever consider a different trade? So how did the, I mean, outside of your dad being a welder, like, and kind of saying, hey, maybe you should consider this, like, I mean, honestly, like, well, like rodeo to welding, just wild. Uh, Well, I kind of, I didn't grow up on a ranch or a farm, but I grew up on five acres and it was a little farm like, and my dad was always into horses. So when you do that, you always have to, there's fences to fix. There's like all the agricultural community has to weld, fix and grinder you know there's like you have a little touch on every trade yeah um so I can't say I ever wanted to do another trade but I have done a little bit of a lot of trades if that makes any sense yeah no I I I get it I mean but like (laughs) why why is this sort of I guess choose welding as opposed to say carpentry or electrical or whatever like what Um, what was it about welding that just kind of was like no that's the one for me um definitely my dad had an influence on that he was a lifetime uh, welder, but he's actually a red seal in pipe fitting and welding. And so he actually pushed my sister into pipe fitting. And so he, he let us kind of explore both. And I'm just really artsy. I'm like, I'm good with my hands. It's always what I wanted to do. Like massage therapy, kind of the same idea. Um, so I, I just, I picked welding. I like the artsy side of it. I like creating, finishing something. 
Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I mean, with most trades, you start with raw material and you end up with something. Like there's a very like, almost like transactional thing that happens when you're working with your hands. You start with something and you end up with a finished product of some variety or another. And yeah. I think something like that's really rewarding about that as opposed to, hey, I had a pile of paper over here and now I have a pile of paper over here. And we don't even have paper anymore. We're all digital, right? So, right. Uh, you know, there is really something about that. Um, so rodeo, I mean, I'm just going to like totally off topic here and talk about- Oh, no, that's fine. Do you, I mean, was that something that you did as a kid that- Yeah, that's one of my major passions also. So I, I'll talk about that all day. Um, yeah, I, I, I've rode horses all my life and I started as a kid and I'm actually, um, I won the region in breakaway roping and that's hugely popular now. So whoever follows rodeo knows that, but I'm actually an avid team roper and that's kind of a male dominated event also. So can, um, you, can you just explain what roping actually means? Cause I, I know that I don't, I had to look it up, but I know that many people listening are probably. <laughs> <laughs> so the easiest way for me to explain it is in Canada, people watch the Calgary Stampede July 1st, like July 1st weekend week or 10 days. Yeah. Um, so that they know at least that it has to do with horses and that kind of like horses and chasing cows and that. Um, so team roping is, is I'm the header. There's two of us and I go out and let a cow out of the chute and they, there's like a, he gets a head start. There's a barrier line. So he gets a little bit of a head start. And so you give him his head start and you run out and you, Rope him with the lasso, yeah, and you dally up and you take your horse off to the left, and a healer comes in and he ropes the hind feet, and so he's supposed to rope both feet, and there's a penalty if he only ropes one. All right, so interesting. Good to know. I, well, it's I mean, one of those things where it's uh, it's a dying art. It's kind of like a, a agricultural culture, but yeah, it's something you fall in love with when they, when you start from the beginning. You just love it I mean I could see it being like totally adrenaline filled like you just oh totally you're and I mean it's you're it's you're competing and it's like this oh I can just imagine yeah, full-on addiction yeah what a high that would be like I just I love it it's great um and so I I compete in places like I, I go to the world series team roping and that's in Vegas so the finale is in Vegas and it's once a year and it's the biggest amateur team roping event in North America wow yeah so that's in like the second week of Vegas or second week of December in Vegas. Sorry. Okay. Cool. Well, you'll have to let yeah. us know how you do there. Oh, for sure. Um, so winding our way back into the trades. Right. Sure. This whole rodeo <laughs> thing just really captivated me. Um, so how did you find your apprenticeship years? Because obviously you got some training down in the States and you came back up and you completed your apprenticeship. Mm -hmm. So how did you find that process? And, um, you know, were there any sort of sticky bits or hurdles or things that, you know, you kind of had to resolve around to continue? Uh, my first couple of years of my apprenticeship, I apprenticed under my dad and we went pipelining. And so I did lots of structural, lots of, I didn't mind the the dirtiness of it, like going in bell holes on like, uh, I'm trying to think of what, like the structural holding like pipelines up, like when the valve comes out of the ground. And so I did lots of that kind of stuff. Um, that was no problem. The worst part of my first couple of years of apprenticeship is living in like Helmet, British Columbia. So you have to look that up. It's like north of Fort Nelson in the middle of nowhere, living kind of by an airstrip with eating. And we work tons of hours. So when you're working 16 hour days and you get back and there's always, you're staying at a camp and it's mystery meat. And this is 20 years ago or more now. So 
probably 25 years ago. And so you get back and there's this plate of whatever, you don't know what it is. I ate a lot of toast and peanut butter. Uh, that was a little hard on me. That was the hardest part of my beginning of my apprenticeship. Like you're secluded. You are the only woman most of the time. And yeah, it just wasn't like wonderful living conditions. I'm I'm assuming that it's 10 times better now. Like just progression and camps alone is better. But I, I don't work in camp anymore. So I don't really know. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you for sure. Yeah. I mean, from what I've heard, there has been a bit of an evolution. Focus. Yeah you know, the conditions that you like actively live in, but also like the food and sort of the conversation around equality and all those sorts of things, but it's yeah. still, it's still a rough place to be. Yeah. Not, it's not, not, it's probably still, you could be put into an ATCO trailer that has a board, your window boarded up for, because yours was broken out. Yeah. Or you know, like, rather, <laughs> right. You're not staying at the Fairmont, right? Like you're not living. Exactly. Money. You're, you're yeah, there to, exactly. you're there for purpose. You're there to work your butt off. You're there to make a lot of money and then get out. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so what other tickets did you achieve over your time period? I know that in some of the emailing that we've done back and forth, that there was a number of other tickets that you completed or achieved. Um, I have, um, I, I've listed some off, so I have to kind of read them off, but I have like my Eskimo, my titanium stainless, and those are all TIG tickets, ticket, pressure welding tickets. I have, um, like mild steel, of course. And then just the other like types of welding, like TIG roots and then 7018 welding it like from the rest of the weld out CWB structural. Yeah, so, I, did. I mean, are, I mean, each of those things are there, are they, um, I know a little bit about some of them, but for, again, for the people who are listening, they're not like another four-year course. They are just really specific sort of skills that you... Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, they're very specific little skills that you actually either teach yourself. I taught myself a couple of these. I knew that they were doing some pre-testing at work and I was a little behind the time that I came back from... I, I vacationed in Arizona with my horses a little bit and I came back one winter and... Um, they were offering these tests and, and lots of the welders here had got a month to practice and, and that I just wasn't here that month, which is no fault of theirs. And so I just signed up for the test anyway. And I said, well, I'll just teach myself because all I can do is fail. And I, and I scheduled in lots of lunch times. There's lots of practice tests and, and going and picking those guys' brains had been practicing a lot. And I taught myself some of them. Excellent. I love it. So yeah, uh, might as well I challenge yourself. Oh, totally. I mean, and again, like that, having that mindset around, like, what's the worst that'll happen? I could fail. Well, then, then what happens? Well, I practice some more and I'll take it again and I'll pass. Exactly. Exactly. It's not a life when they're free. Oh, totally. I mean, I find sometimes people get really hung up on the outcome and it's just like, well, no, it's a, it's a process. It's a journey. And, you know, and that, that can be very, really tough on welders because when you fail a test and I've failed the test before, like when you fail a test, people are like, I've never done that before. And I'm like, well, it happens. Life happens. So you have to be able to get over it. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, it, it comes down to resilience. And I think many tradeswomen um, do exemplify like a high level of resilience. Like, I think that's yeah. just part of the fabric of how we're made. Um, we're definitely not wallflowers. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, exactly. So you mentioned um, that you worked in up north, Helmet, and so on and so forth. So what other kinds of jobs and locations and types of work did you do um and then within all of that 
what did you find the most fulfilling or exciting? Um, I've done tons of welding jobs from like, like you said, being a substitute teacher at the college by far, most challenging by far, um, <laughs> but I've welded uh, helixes on structural steel piles to go in the ground and then they put a torque rating on them. And then like I've welded some at an airport. So they put lights on them. Um, also, I've welded on some conus systems. So conuses are in um, sawmills. So they are the heating systems that um, dry the wood that go to the kilns. Do you know what I'm talking? Does that make sense what I'm saying? Uh, the but, glycol systems I'm, that I'm go to the kilns? I know what kilns Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> like, like um, my ticket is in, in joineries or cabinet making. So I, oh, okay. I know kiln drying. So you kind of get the whole wood program. Yeah. So like, but I, I've never like, you know, gone to a sawmill and like chosen and you know like all that kind of stuff yeah and seeing them load the kiln cars and how that all is um trying to think of i mean it's like built a lot of sawmills a lot of um you know industrial yes kinds of things right work in a pulp mill i've worked here for 20 years almost very close so lots of industrial settings so in in the sawmill um like what does your your day-to-day -day work look like what oh you, so I work in a pulp mill now so, so sorry, sawmills were yeah so sawmills was like construction so that was like give or shit make a ton of money work hard um pulp mills we work hard but my job here is more of a you have different there's 13 or 14 of us who work here and so I'm in a bleach plant right now so sometimes I'm welding pipe like I can go from um, cause they have titanium in mind. I can go from stainless to titanium pipe, like one day welding with the pipe fitters. And then the next day I can be helping, um, the millwrights put in a pump welding on jacking bolts, helping out with, um, whatever they need, like heat for couplings. It's kind of more like, uh, jumping around doing all sorts of different things every day. Sometimes welding counters for the electricians, rigging something for the electricians. Like you go, you do everything. So really every day is a new day, which is kind of a nice thing. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, we have a pipe fab shop. So those welders weld pipe all day. I just, I like being interacting with the other trades and, and solving the puzzle. Yeah, I mean, again, that's another sort of theme that has kind of come across with some of our my other conversations with um, the people is like, there's that problem solving aspect of it. There's the, you know, day to day, every day is kind of a new day. We're doing something. It could be the same idea, but every every little bit of something is going to be a little bit different because every yeah, application exactly. is different. So you're always problem solving, and I think that's something that isn't talked about enough um, at large in society about how much problem solving that we do that that happens in the trades. Oh, totally. And another thing is just getting along, like not just problem solving, but getting along with other crews. Nobody ever. Um, talks about that enough like we're not robots they don't just give us what we're doing and we just go out and work you have to you have to get along with the other trades to make it the job goes faster or just to figure it out yeah i mean there's a fair amount of like interpersonal communication yeah. for whether it's the same trade or different other tradespeople doing work at a different site or what have you so yeah i absolutely agree with all of that yeah um now i mean how has your experience been as a, a woman in the trade in that pulp mill all this time? Like, are there other women there with you? Are you the only one? 
I'm actually Sue. I'm very lucky. I have, uh, we have the BC wit and three of us are in the same pole mill. Oh, like we don't, we don't see each other every day. Actually, one of, one of our ladies, Denise just, um, retired a month ago, but, um, we don't see each other every day, but we have each other to lean, like to lean on. And we've all, like, I've been here the least amount of those ladies. So I'm almost on 20 years and they are, they're at probably 30 for one of them and 25 for the other. Oh, I can't even yeah, imagine so, the same place for 30 years. <gasps> right? <laughs> yeah, but so you have that wealth of knowledge and and the one the one lady is was like me and did multiple trades and did or not multiple trades as much as multiple work sites and and um, so many life experiences. Very, very good. I I mean yeah. So seldom do you actually have a community of women in any given place. So I think that's a a, a lovely thing that you've been able to have, um, even if you're and not just a community of women. Like um, they're very supportive. Like yeah, there we have a couple other women in production stuff that we maybe don't hang out with as much, or but they're if they need anything, we have a great women's committee that supports them. That's you know, and I think that's something that. Um, through time has been evolutionary like that was never really something that occurred in the past like is that I mean yeah. when you started working there was that sort of oh we didn't have, no we didn't have a women's committee when I first started working here and this is completely different environment than say when I was pipelining but I think this is the the way of the future to have support and to have women's committees and to have um coalitions like we do yeah. I mean, like, ultimately, it's all about community. It takes a village, no yes. matter if you're raising kids or you're raising a barn or whatever it is, like, it yeah. really does take community. Nobody stands alone. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so you also noted that you got some, uh, your level three first aid certification and that you sort of, you did it and then maybe yeah. didn't love actually the job that came <laughs> So how that came about is, um, my dad actually promoted that too. My dad's a real forward thinker. He's 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 a he loves girl helpers. He let like and I'll he has a funny little way about him, but he um he's like women don't lose things. They don't leave the hammer laying on something. Oh, I think oh I didn't lose you. Sorry, I'm like they don't leave leave the hammer laying over there. They gather all their stuff and they bring it back to the truck. And you know like he um he was a he is. A, of all allies, he is a huge ally. He is a huge promoter promoter of women in trades. Um, how he promoted me to get my level three first aid because he said it'll give me job security. Like if you're the low man on the totem pole and you have your level three, they'll keep you and get rid of somebody else because they need that on site. Uh, and and he's like, and you're good at book work. You're smart at that shit. So just go do it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah. So I I actually did it three times. So I actually had it for like I think it's three-year intervals so I must be, I must have had it for like nine years and um I always had it when I was I worked for a company called Macro and I had it for them and it kept me on a lot of jobs just to have a level three first aid and I was about 25 ish when I decided I didn't want to pipeline as much I, I played a lot of basketball also and so I didn't want to quit my job and quit playing like at not quit my job quit whatever I was doing in January and go pipelining. I wanted to stay in, like stay in town and have a life and have like make plans. 
And so I took a job as a level three first aid attendant at the Husky refinery. This is a long time ago now, years ago. And I could not handle just sitting there waiting. Wait for somebody to get hurt. To be a hero. Yeah. I'm like, this is not really my style. So I didn't make it very long there. I, I am a great welder with a first aid ticket, but I'm not a very good first aid attendant to sit there. Yeah. I mean, I think your dad's right with the, um, the notion of, you know, the, the more certifications and knowledge base and all of that stuff that you can gather and have on your CV, the better, you know, just, Oh yeah. And have one more thing than somebody else, you know, that you're jockeying for, you know, position, just every little bit will help to keep you where you want to be. And that's just in life also, like just to keep your brains sharp. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I had uh, one of the BC wit ladies, actually you have interviewed her already. Um, and that was that Rachel Schatz. she's a pipe fitter who um, is a, she is promoted me. She's like, even if you never want to become an instructor, you should take your PDIP, take your instructor. It, it's like, it's a challenge and it's good for you. And, and so I signed up for that and I've been working on that now. Right. So you're, you're saying at the top of the show that substitute teaching is been fairly challenging what do you find the most challenging about it um I like coming into my lunchroom and I know who I'm working with and you know you're never gonna I, I don't feel like I can hurt anybody's feelings I went into the classroom and everybody's a generation below what I'm used to and I don't know if I'm trained enough to not hurt anybody's feelings does that make sense I'm it's hard when you're like I'm I still have worked in a, in a industrial setting my whole life. So maybe I'm a little bit abrasive more than I, than I portray or feel like I am. But I also don't want to be a softie because you still have to, when you're, when you're at welding school, you still have to be able to finish that weld or you have to achieve that level and yeah. you, you can't just get a gold star for everything. What? <laughs> yeah. Right. No, so that's, that's where I, that's where I have trouble. Well, I mean, I think there's that, the there is a line between being like a total jerk and being yeah. someone who's going to coddle. Um, yeah. And I think sometimes, you know, different people need a little bit of a push and some people need a little bit of a handhold here and there. But at the end of the day, you know, the expectation is that you're going to learn this skill and you're going to be able to perform it. And either you do or you don't. Like yeah, it's, it's, it's a pass or a fail. Call. It's a very yeah. clear. And I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I've been accused about being very abrasive as well. So, anyway, uh, I, I do try to tone that down. Um, so, from this sort of lifelong learning perspective, you know, you're going to get, uh, you know, take a, a PIP and all that kind of stuff. Is there anything other than that? I mean, obviously, um, you're mentioning BC WID and BC Tradeswomen, and you are also uh, a regional rep for BC WIT. And yep. what do you and you're on the board, uh, um, member at large for BC Trades Women, correct? Yes. Okay, I remembered. Excellent. Oh, that's nice work. <laughs> what What do you find, you know, most motivating or exciting about being part of those organizations and trying to push the narrative forward for women? Um, honestly, the still the most exciting thing to me is once in a while we have um, 
young people come through here and and I have this I I go when I go sub I try to go to the the school that the alternative school if that makes sense um I try to go to this alternative school or we have the girls that come into here for a week-long training and I've had one that went from never held a welding rod to wow I like that to maybe I should get into that to come here for a week and, and train now she's a red seal she keeps in touch she's working like I think she's down south somewhere, but she's carried on with that and that that career and never ever had a parent or anything in the trades. Like she got that from a tour, from a high school tour. She's like, maybe I could do that. And then she had a really good counselor. I, I actually met him years later. He's like, do you ever remember this name? I'm like, I know exactly who you're talking about. So it's nice when you can actually influence somebody's life and they become... The, she, she was kind of on the lower end of poverty level to now she's like a contributing member of society like and doing fantastic that's a i mean i mean that's the that's the non-tangible you know thing that you, you can't put a dollar value to you know yeah okay, right you're teaching you're getting paid to do it whatever blah 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 but like yeah. those positively influenced stories where right the trajectory of somebody's life really at the end of the day yeah um, exactly that you know is so powerful for many people because if they can see themselves in it they can do it right exactly which is again partly why I'm doing this series of the podcast is because I really do think like over time young girls women who maybe are doing second third fourth careers they need to be able to see themselves doing those roles if they're not already kind of got the moxie enough to just show up and like kill it right uh, and and there's a level of where not everybody's going to become a red seal welder pipe fitter carpenter but to get a little bit hands-on just to be like I could change my own battery in my car and just to have that confidence yeah well it's very empowering to be able to use tools and know what you're doing and you know exactly all that and not just like oh I don't know how and you know I'm afraid of you know whatever is going to go on like I remember yeah. being a little bit intimidated when I first started into the um, joinery trade at PCIT, like looking at all of the, like the tools, it was like, I don't even know half the names of what they are and yeah. all that kind of stuff was like, wow, this is like going to be an uphill learning curve for me. <laughs> um, you know, I was what, I was young and stupid, I guess, uh, 19, 20, something in there yeah. and had enough moxie to roll in and just show up and do my thing. And so, so did you just fake it till you made it? Um, well, the, the course that I took was, it's now called Foundations, but back then it was called yeah. Trades Training, and it was like a seven-month yeah. course. Um, so they started off really gradual. You know, this is, you know, a hand plane, and this is how you use it. And like, we didn't even yeah. get power tools for quite a while. So by the time we kind of got into all of that, I was becoming more and more comfortable. And yeah. so far, it's small. It's like 16 people, right? So, yeah. um, you know, it you just, you, you ask questions and you learn and you make a, you know, a butchery out of whatever you're doing until you learn to do <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You know, toss a bunch of stuff and, you know, make a bunch of mistakes and, and then just move forward. Right. Like, I don't know how many times yeah. I bust through some veneer or I cut something too short or, you know, yeah, yeah. um, yeah. You know, way just, back in the day, it wasn't just a grinder. It was a, it was a Makita grape harvester because you had to learn. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, so I, I just I, I just showed up. I just did it. 
like just fully expected that I'm going to be able to do this and I'm just going to try my best. And, and yeah, I got a job before I finished that program. Like I was already employed somewhere. Um, so I had somewhere to go right afterwards and I was never really unemployed since like I went from shop to shop to shop, started my own and here we sit. So it's, it's been a great, great thing for me. I've, I've just, I've had a great road in the trades. And part of it is because I became my own boss really early. So I didn't nice. have to put up with a lot of crap for the most part, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, so um, outside of teaching. You were just going to say how you, you had it pretty smooth. I also had it pretty smooth. I had a, in my apprenticeship, my dad was my apprenticeship, uh, whatever, whatever you. Journey person. Anyway. Yeah, my journey person. And so, and he's a very good welder and a, and he's, like I said, dual traded. So he has his pipe fitting ticket. So one of those things where he's kind of respected and I kind of rode the coattails on that a little bit. And I I guess I got lucky because I've had a pretty good, a great trades person life. Yeah, no, I mean, not everybody does. And I think, it, yeah, I mean, you are really lucky that, you know, you got yeah. your dad. I mean, and what a great way to bond. You know, oh, totally. Still like, one of my best friends. Yeah. Like my dad is also kind of in the construction world. He wasn't, he is an engineer by trade, but, um, you know, we have great conversations about business and like, what is he doing and whatever, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like it just, we're very close. And I just, um, yeah, I cherish that sort of a different level to be able to connect, not just as a father daughter, um, but yeah, like, come together as equals almost in, in the field. So yeah, intellectually goes so it helps. Yeah, no, for sure. You talk in the same language, same vocabulary. It's all yeah, you know, yeah definitely. bounce ideas off each other. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, what is next for you? I mean, obviously, you're going to continue down getting your PIP for uh, teaching, but is is there something yeah. else that in the future you're like, yeah, I'm totally going to do this, or are you kind of um, like, I'm good for now. There will be something that comes. Um, no, no, I, I, I have my my long off goals too, because, um, I have my little bit of golden handcuffs here. I, I enjoy my cruise where I work and I, I enjoy my workplace. So I'm going to be here for a little bit just because I've been here 20 years. I have to try and make it to 55. That's just life. But right now I'm building a shop at my place. And so I'll have, a um, it's going to be like a 32 by 24 shop. So then I can putter in there. Once I hit 55 that gives me options to retire or go sub at the college a little more regularly or um i kind of am setting myself for, up for that so when i hit 55 i can i can broaden my horizons or i can weld helixes on for structural steel guy or you know when you, you can just putter at your own pace yeah do a little bit of get, side work a little consultation what have you that's, that's uh, exactly it and I mean, at the top of the show, you're, you're also saying that you're really uh, fairly artistic or creative. Yeah. So are, are you doing anything currently in that way, creation of still weather vanes or anything like that? Or you just uh, have- I, I make some weather vanes and stuff still to this day, but uh, I try and do silver jewelry. I do. I make a lot of like this silver things and kind of putter at that, trying to keep my um, fine, fine welding. So I do a little soldering and. I didn't do anything major as a business, but I, I, uh, I try to keep sharp at that, those skills at that. Yeah, that's great. So that. That's great. I love it. Yeah. So 
I always ask everybody, do we have any really sage advice or wisdom to tell people who are considering the trades as a career, whether they're women, those identify as female or, or even the dudes? Um, yeah. I mean, I just say go for it because it's a great sector to work in and there's always going to be work. Yeah. Always have those skills that will yeah. come away from you, blah, blah, like all these things. But oftentimes there's like sort of nuggets of wisdom that people bring forward. So this is why I asked the question. Yeah, I'm I'm one of those people who's uh, make up your make your goals, write them down, do your five year, ten year. Um, they're never going to go that way. But I I always write them down and I keep them in a drawer and then I look back. I'm like, what was I thinking there? But it's nice to look back, but it's also nice to see how your path changes and uh, view the progress. But also, I mean, like you may not get exactly what you were going for. But it'll be something different that maybe is somewhat yeah. affiliated or maybe after a period of time, you're like, yeah, you know what? That doesn't resonate with me anymore. I'm going to choose to move forward and do right. this. But if it's not written down, it's never going to happen. Right, exactly. So you got to make that goal. And you got to, sometimes your path does change, but you got to knuckle down and actually try. You got to put yep. forth the effort. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, what I'm hearing sort of throughout our, our conversation here is, first of all, Lifelong learning. Second of all, oh yeah, just give it a go and see what yeah. happens. And challenge yourself. Yeah, I mean, you can never, never go wrong, really, with yeah. both of those two things. Um, so is there anything else that I should have asked you that we want to talk about? <laughs> Not that I can think of right this second. Okay, so no, no pressure. I always just like to ask in case. No, uh, so my, this is, might be inappropriate for a podcast, but my thing is, is some of my best gifts in life Work-wise, it's all on how you look at it. Some of my best gifts in life were wrapped in shit. <laughs> so, you know, when something happens, you're like, oh. <laughs> but then you, you know, you gotta, you gotta work past it. You get by and you're like, huh, well, maybe that was a good deal because this come out of it or this opened up or this passed. So not all bad experiences are really that bad. Yeah, I mean, really at the end of the day, it's all about the path or the journey and, you know, these things yeah. are part of getting us to where ultimately where we end up right yeah and your perspective on how you accept it all matter of perspective exactly yeah um so i always like to ask people uh before i close the show what's your favorite tool oh i wish i'd even i wish you told me that um well i like it to be like i don't know i have to you know it has like, to be oxyacetylene because i'm just i'm just handy at it i'm a very good cutter for uh, like i can cut like thick, thin, I can make shit happen. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. All right. So again, Sandy, thanks for chatting with me today. And I'm so excited to see what comes next for you. I wish you great success and joy for whatever the future future brings to your door. I'm excited to know what your shop looks like and <laughs> how the world it. series go, how the old team roping thing. Yeah. <laughs> all about your rodeo stuff. So uh -huh. make back in and let me know all about that. Um, and for those who are listening, thanks. I really appreciate it. Be sure to check out our, our other episodes in this and our other All Things Renovation series. Until next time, keep swinging those hammers and being badass at whatever career that you're in. Thanks for listening. And I hope you feel as inspired as I do. If you or someone you know has interest in the trades, there are many resources, many programs and supports. 
There's also a ton of women's groups out there specifically for those who are in the trades. We'll list a number of them in the show notes, but be sure to reach out if you're having challenges finding some in your area. We're all in this together after all, and we're happy to help in any way we can.